Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today's topic is going to be formlessness. Our guest today was Jason Bangucci. Jason is an incredible asset to go through how to adapt and how to be successful in new and interesting environments. His background includes working with the Carolina Panthers, working at Georgia Tech, working at Florida State, being a Division III athlete over at Springfield College. I had the great fortune of working with Jason at Georgia Tech, and I saw firsthand his ability to adapt to an environment and be successful right away. He brought incredible insight, a lot of practical experience, and a lot of insight into just a theoretical perspective of being in an environment and being valuable in that environment. Hope you enjoy. Please check out our website to go through a little bit more in-depth look at the module on formlessness. All right, what's up, everybody? I got Jason Bangucci on today, and we're going to be talking about adaptable, being adaptable and formlessness to your environment. So, uh, one, I want to just say hi to Jason, and two, Jason, why don't you just introduce yourself and talk about a little bit what you've been up to and a little bit about your backstory. Appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely look forward to speaking with you. It's been a while since we caught up. Um, you know, a little bit of my background, I started uh, in the strength conditioning profession in uh, 2006 as a graduate assistant at Florida State University, worked with a football team there, um, worked with a few other sports. From there, continued to work in college, and that's where we, uh, that's where we met at Georgia Tech. Spent five years there, a lot of great years working for a couple of great coaches and working with a lot of great colleagues, um, assisted with football there, eventually was the assistant director and had a couple other Olympic sports along the way. Uh, very valuable experience working with collegiate athletes at that level and uh, was really, really invaluable. Got gained a lot of experience early and that allowed me to uh, continue to the NFL where I worked with the Carolina Panthers for seven years. Um, again, another great experience. Had a lot of good years, had a couple of tough ones as well, but uh, was able to coach some great elite athletes at that time with different personalities, different backgrounds. Um, and it was really a great experience to test me as a coach, to test my skills um, and also help uh, coach Joe Ken, the guy that I was working for at the time, develop his program even further and uh, help strengthen us as a staff. So uh, that's my background in a nutshell. And currently, um, after a small transition in time, I'm working in the private sector at Jet Performance Labs in Mooresville, North Carolina. So I'm still close to Charlotte, where I was with Carolina, but a little bit different venture, a little different operation, and I'm looking forward to a good challenge. Are you uh, spending more time researching the business side of things now as opposed to just the <laughs> nuance and training and nutrition? That, that absolutely is. And it's a combination of the two. You know, I got to figure out how to get people in here. And, you know, training is what it is, <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, getting people in the building, keeping them there, uh, giving them a training experience that's different than no other place nearby. Um, I think that's going to be one of our strengths. But, you know, there's also the money angle. There's the pricing angle. There's a lot of things in business that I'm going to have to research and develop. Um, and that's kind of where I've been spending a lot of my time because that's an area I've never had to deal with, you know, in the, in the collegiate sector and the private market or in the professional market, you know, those athletes just come through the door. You train them, and they go off to do their thing. Um, but now, you know, I've got to find different ways to get members in, different ways to get elite athletes in, and then uh, give them the training experience that they deserve at the same time. You know, one of the reasons why I thought Jason would be really cool for this specific topic and being adaptable to your environment is when we were working together at Georgia Tech, he really took on that approach of, 
buying in and really just molding to the environment. And it was one where like, I don't think you had any previous relationship with anyone else, any one of us specifically on staff. And then, yeah. you know, just that process of just getting involved, man. It's, you know, and I can only imagine that like transition from coming place like Springfield College or Florida State or that transition from Georgia Tech to the Carolina Panthers or now that transition to like all right now I'm on my own and I'm working in a, a performance facility that's just a private business like you know that aspect of being adaptable like you know what is it really skill <laughs> it really is huge and, and you know it's one of those things you know when you're given an opportunity you adapt or and succeed or you know you're you're kind of one of those short-term guys that gets a little stiff doesn't fit in and then the next thing you know you're looking for another job. So, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, in my time to have a couple, you know, a five-year stretch, a seven-year stretch. So I was able to spend a little bit of time at each place. And then, you know, my early experiences, that's what really helped. I had a lot of great experiences early on, showed me a lot of different things, a lot of different ways to do things. And then as I build and as I've, getting more, I've gotten more opportunities, those experiences all build on each other. So the more you see, the more you do, the more you can fit into and adapt your style to whatever environment you're in. And I think that's what I've been able to do thus far. You know, that just the, the mentioning of five and seven years at, you know, two locations, 12 years between two locations. And, you know, one of the things you learn really quickly is like specifically in high level college athletics and power five schools, as well as working in an environment of the NFL, like it, it's high turnover rate and there's a lot of moving and you actually probably like, double most people's time in specific schools, which, you know, I think it's a process too of like my personality type. I can totally see coming out just guns blazing and trying to assert yourself and being like, you know, whatever, I want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to be the most confident guy in the room. And it's like a, a, a flame that just goes up really fast and then burns out as opposed to being patient and just being, being diligent with the forming of relationships and then building on that and then getting more responsibilities over a period of time. So you have a buildup and you can actually have some longitude in the place, you know, that's a or longevity in the place, you know, that's an interesting kind of perspective there as well. Yeah. I do think it's a combination of that, you know, as well, obviously, uh, you know, fortunate to sometimes it's winning, winning games at the right time. It could, it really can be as simple as that. Um, but I think you're right, you know, developing relationships and knowing your role, I think, has been the biggest thing for me, knowing where I need to step in, knowing where I need to step back. Um, and then as well, taking the responsibilities that you're given and just blow them off the charts. Whatever you're given, just absolutely do the best job you can. And um, I think over time, you know, the, not only the athletes that you work with, but the, the, the coaches that you work for or the front office people that you work for, they notice. And over time, you know, when it comes down to saying who stays or goes, sometimes you're able to stick around. And uh, a lot of times your work just has, has to really speak for itself. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you know if I remember this or not, but uh, there was there was a moment where we were in the cafeteria at Georgia Tech and you grabbed the DVD from one of the guys that were working there. And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, you got little side deals going on here. And you, <laughs> you, you expressed how much you've been into like martial art movies and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, what an interesting little factor right? or facet right there of Jason Bangucci that I didn't know, <laughs> right? And then you have these like little side dealings of getting like just some like underground like copy bootleg copies of DVDs of mixed martial arts movies and stuff. And But it made me think about like this concept of like what Bruce Lee used to say of 
you know, be like water and, yeah. you know, form to your environment. And it's the water's not weak. Water can be ice. Water can make like become glaciers and make your Grand Canyon and water can be vapor and like be very soothing and relaxing. Water could be ice in your cup. Like, you know, that process of looking at that, I, I couldn't help but to think about that, you know, when I was thinking about like that process of like seeing you, like, and then too, like that's another form of adaptability, right? Like you form relationships Absolutely. with people in the, in the actual department, right? Like that's, that's a skill in itself. Like you can be isolated and be in your own little bubble and not interact with anyone who works in uh, the cafeteria or interact with anyone who works in the field or works just in any capacity, but you're not doing yourself enough of a service by getting to know some people. And there's probably something that they know about one of our players that could benefit us. And there's probably something that can help us in this process of like, man, I need to make sure that guy's eating when he needs to be eating at the right time. And if that guy sees him eating like a dessert or something like that, like, and even if he doesn't say anything, he just reports it back to me. Now I have yeah. an ally in this process of developing people. But you know, that, that was a story that just popped in my head, which I thought was awesome. Like, it's interesting. You, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Weeks, you reminded me, yeah, you remind me of that. Um, and it's been some time, but yeah, in previous years, I definitely did watch a lot of that. You know, I was big into Kung Fu movies uh, coming up. I've always been interested in martial arts. It was actually one of the first forms of exercise, movement um, as a kid that I was into. So it always has kind of stuck with me. But now that I'm older, you know, I I don't I I don't practice any of that stuff. Um, The the more philosophical reasons behind it, the Western philosophy. uh, I read a lot about stoicism now and I've always just tried to present myself to people very even keel. Um, I think a lot of times, especially in this business, uh, you know, in the college market or professional market, the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows, if you get caught up in that, it's almost like a riptide. And it absolutely can bring you down, bring you under. And, you know, if you're not careful or don't know how to swim with the current to get out, you know, it doesn't end up going your way. So I've always tried to be in a mentality where, you stay yourself, like you said, at the end of the day, water can change form, but when it comes down to it, it's still itself, and it's still its true self at the end of the day, and I think, you know, when you go home at the end of the day, you do a good job, as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, you know what, I'm still the same guy, and I need to keep it that way, and no matter what happens, I can look at myself and continue on my path and be myself, that's the only thing you can ask for. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a fairly good definition right there. It's because that would be the first question really is like, what is formlessness or what is being adaptable? And, you know, you're just expressing that as like being reactive to the environment while still being yourself. And that, that absolutely is how I would look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it kind of goes into the next kind of line of questioning. So, you know, we're going to run through, I guess, a Socratic form of thinking or just being like, really good critical thinkers and opening up with like, what is that? What is it we're trying to figure out here? And then the next thing is to start to build in a case and like really go through the process of evaluating it from other perspectives. So, you know, what would be some examples of, you know, being almost too formless, like, and, and as a negative, like, you know, when could that actually be like something that might not actually be in your advantage if you have any practical experience in that or anything you can kind of relate to? Yeah. So I think, and I've heard this a lot um, from not only colleagues, but, you know, other people I know in the business where they've had to conform to an organization, uh, a coaching staff, uh, a way of, um, 
you know, a way of living or I guess for a better word, living in their organization in their day-to-day job in a way that they don't necessarily want to be. Um, so I think in that case, you know, you're kind of giving up who you are at the end of the day. You're giving up some of your foundational principles. You're giving up really the true meaning of you and, and what you do and who you are. And that's not how anybody really should live. Um, so there is too much formlessness where you kind of lose your backbone. And I think that would be an extreme case of where it's too adaptable and you kind of lose a little bit. And, you know, you can, when you get a little bit longer into the profession, you can see, you can see it from a a little bit broader perspective, you know, early on, you're probably like that person just weak, you know, they don't have, they don't have the courage to stand up for themselves or they don't have the courage to stand up for their athletes who, you know, like we know that they're doing, we're doing as a whole a disservice to them. But then yep. you start adding in elements like family or like livelihood, or maybe this is their third staff and they've gone through this like over and over and they just, man, I'm done with that. Like, I don't want to fight fights anymore. Like I just, yeah. this is more of a job than anything, which when you're coming up and you're climbing and you go through that internship process and the graduate assistant process, and you're basically doing this for just the love of it. And you put it at such a high pedestal and then you see someone just disenfranchised or just completely just malleable, like, like an amorphous substance that has nothing in terms of like structure or stability, you immediately look at that person as weak, right? And, you know, that perspective, I think for me was really hard to overcome. But the reality is, is if you really want to look at it, those people that I probably perceived as weak are probably still at those athletic departments, still getting a check. And I got fired a couple times over, you know, yeah. that process too of like being really strong willed and being fired doesn't really service anyone. And if we're trying to put the best interests of the athletes at hand and the people that are really were servicing who really wins, the That's person true. that was adaptable. And, you know, I, I, I've seen that time and time again. And I think that perception of that is interesting. You know, at the other yeah. sake though too, like, you know, like you said, front office people are watching and, you know, they have opinions and they have perspectives and they might not know the nuance of everything going on, but they sure as know a strong-willed and a confident person when they see one. Uh, have you had any interactions with that where like you've seen people who are too compliant and then maybe an outsider that not within our direct circle, whether athletes or other strength conditioning coaches have perceived that as a negative? Well, I abs- what I absolutely have seen is a misinterpretation by certain people that don't know exactly what's going on. I have seen that in terms of their interpretation of, uh, you know, an individual as being one way in terms of, you know, over the top, great, but it's kind of like a skewed perception. Um, They don't exactly know how to evaluate on the right level. Um, And a little bit of that is playing the game. Some people know how to play the game. And what I mean by the game is some of those interpersonal relationships uh, not only with players, but with front office staff, other coaches, and a lot of time, a lot of times, it's very unrelated to the sports performance realm. It's, you know, it may be a front office person where if they see, uh, you know, say a coach, and somehow they happen to say good morning every day. They certain they happen to have a smile on their face at the same time when they're getting coffee every day. That could be interpreted as, you know, what? Oh, he's a great guy. He must be a great coach. And he absolutely knows what he's doing, which we know isn't always the case. But that's part of playing the game because perception for a lot of people is reality and it's all how they are evaluating it. Um, so that's one thing, one thing I would say to, you know, some of the younger coaches 
or anybody who's listening, maybe in transition or going into a different phase in their life is that everyone is watching from the cooks in the training table to the people that are out doing the, the grounds when you're setting up the field in the morning or, you know, getting things done like that. How you treat everybody is how you're going to be perceived by everyone. And I don't think people can forget that at the end of the day. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a Tim Karen's like two steps to getting, uh, getting people who are above you to like you is one, make eye contact and then two, <laughs> repeat back what they said to you. Uh, and they're going to think you're a genius. Um, that absolutely it, works. It's such an amazing thing. And it's so funny to do it. Like you're thinking like no one will really buy into this and they do, right? Like, yep. Hey, what do you think about this guy, man? I think he can actually get a little tougher. Like, you know what, man? Like, you know, I think sometimes he's not that tough, man. You just say it in a different order. And they're like, yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Exactly. Like, you get it. Like, <laughs> they're on your team. They're on yeah. your team, by the way. But I, I mean, it's like we can, like you just talked about, you're transitioning to sales, uh, but you've been selling your whole life. You know, you've been selling what you do. You, Jason Bengucci is a brand, you know, regardless of how much we're believing in terms of the bigger, like, arching logo that we're representing, whether it's the Yellow Jackets or the Panthers or the Seminoles, like, Jason Banguchi's brand and how he like navigates and traverses like some really, really like complicated, like, like things on a daily basis. Like it's really what like the value you bring. Right. And yeah. like we, we work for coach Shiano with Georgia tech who, you know, if you met him, he's like the most violently consistent human being in the history of strength conditioning. And Absolutely. it's a really, really good thing. Because uh, as a young coach, you come in there like, wow, okay, I just need to follow the script. But it also, it's hard to get traction edgewise, right? Like, you know, how often, like, there's, like, the same things done in time again and time again. Like, Neil's always going to do that station, and yeah, Tim was always going to do this station. And, you're like, you're coming in and trying to, like, fix yourself in edgewise. Of like, okay, well, where's the work going to go around? Like, and that process of just being patient, which you, you lasted longer than all of us there, which is awesome. Um, you know, but... I guess that goes into the next side of this, like, you know, go over some things where it's like really been helpful for you to be adaptable and like just being like reactive to your environment and like in a, a really positive way. So I think the biggest part of, you know, being adaptable, adaptable in my career was my knowledge base. You know, I had an unbelievable experience of being educated at Springfield college in Massachusetts and there, you know, not only as an athlete, um, but as a student in exercise science, I was able to see so many things and have so many great coaches coach me in the weight room. Um, and that training early, I was able to take back home in the summer, share with my buddies, um, and kind of spread that around. And the more things I saw, the more things I researched, the more certifications I got, the more things I put in my toolbox, it just allows you to go in your toolbox, pull it out for whatever situation, whatever tool is needed, and you're adaptable, you know, you're like a mechanic. What's wrong on the car? Oh, you know what? I got a wrench. I got this. I got that. Let's just fix it and let's go. Um, and only so many people have a very limited toolbox. So I think if you only have a couple things in there, you're only going to be so adaptable. Um, not only from a skill standpoint, but from a confidence standpoint in dealing with certain situations, dealing with people. Um, the more you have and the more you've done, the more adaptable you'll be throughout your career. You know, uh, as you were just answering that, it made me think a lot about, you know, the stories like you've told me specifically and like 
with Springfield College, there's a new strength coach every year. So if you're not familiar with Springfield College, it's a Division three uh, football program and sports program out of Massachusetts that uh, their graduate assistants essentially run the strength conditioning department. And every year, a new person takes over the football program. And I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. It's not like we can go up to Coach Long and say, well, Jason's not working hard in the weight room. Don't play him. He's going to laugh at you and say, get out of my office. Um, but you still have to get like a new familiarity and go through that process. And sometimes there's ego. Like I need to assert myself as a young strength coach and I need Jason to accept me. So maybe I go at him like directly. I'm going to the tip of the spear or maybe I'm going to be a little bit more patient. You see a lot of that. But then I flash forward and I think right before you got to Georgia Tech, you go to Florida State to graduate, become a graduate assistant under Coach Joist. And then he's replaced after that first year by Coach Stroud who Absolutely, yeah. more familiar as a football coach. Uh, and then you got a really firsthand shot at like learning, okay, like different expectations, different criteria. I need to adapt to this environment. And then you flash forward to a, another three, four years later where Coach Yana leaves and Neil transitions into a head role. And then Neil leaves and then Coach just transitions into that role. And then now flash forward a couple of years later and like how much turnover there is probably in the NFL. And like, like you're really – talk about that like what are some of the things that you've learned in that process of like these transitional moments and whatever reason like you're able to like survive and adapt and then build up even further after that yeah so I think you know through the process of some of those times which are very stressful times you know anytime you're working for someone and they get replaced or someone leaves you know even under their own decision those are stressful times for you because you're wondering about your future. You're wondering about, you know, am I gone too? Or what's going on? Am I going to be maybe put in a different program or put with a different team? You know, something like that. So I think under those stressful times, you're able to kind of rely on your knowledge base. Let those people know that are coming in how you can help. You know, let them know exactly what you're going to bring to the table. And, you know, majority of times, and I've been fortunate with my background, is that a lot of my strengths are what can really help, um, especially as like an assistant director or, uh, you know, a number two guy to really bolster the head strength coach's abilities to create a, a great program. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Uh, the other thing I've kind of learned is that there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think we all know that, but it's one thing to kind of see a lot, you know, a lot of people hear about, oh, what they do here and what they do there and this and that. But it's one thing to be through six or seven head strength coaches and see six or different six or seven different ways to do it. Um, so I've been fortunate in that direction as well to take a lot. I've left a lot as well. Um, but it's also helped me formulate my own way to train and kind of the foundational things that I believe in to help athletes progress and develop. For the record, uh, I am the probably polar opposite of Coach Bangucci right now, where I've literally aggressively burnt every bridge when a new staff comes in. <laughs> and uh, from the perspective of like, you know, looking at it big picture wise of trying to get like, you know, preserve your livelihood. I always like think for me, like I really thrived in that pressure uh, where it's like, I'd rather go out guns blazing and having to like meet the next expectation down the road uh which to be honest like and, and maybe you want to touch on this i think this is a really interesting factor like 
two parts to this like next kind of question would be like one i thought it was really like really impressive the first thing you did when you got to georgia tech which is go through the georgia tech football strength program and i thought that was a really good way to indoctrinate yourself into that situation to feel it right the one to be familiar with it as well as to like be relatable um and then two like you know the other process and correct me if i'm wrong but even if you're after you return retained and i know this from a couple people is like every single one of those guys that you left or moved on and you were stayed on, whether they were fired or left for other jobs, has still sought you out as potentially trying to work with you again, um, which I can't say firsthand is for me. Um, so I guess the first part is like, you know, are there any tips to like really indoctrinate yourself into a new experience and program, whether it's doing the program or just going around and just, just being friendly and being like ingratiating other people. And then the follow up that is like, you know, how do you preserve that relationship with that person that left, whether it was for their own own reasons, they're professionally advancing or they got let go? Yeah. So, you know, kind of to that first point, I think when you do get into a new situation and I've always recommended this to every intern um, that's worked under me, uh, you have to go full in with the situation and the program at hand. You have to get your hands on the equipment. You have to know how to change the racks. You have to know where everything is. You have to know the settings on the machines, you know, things like that. Um, you have to know what week one of summer is going to feel like in some capacity for the athletes. Um, and I think in doing that, not only are you going to get a little bit of the respect of the fellow staff based on how they train, um, but the head strength coach is always going to notice. And that's one thing I've always said to the interns is that if you do the program, the right way you ask questions you understand it you're going to be able to coach it better and then it's going to give you a foundational knowledge of why we do what we do and how to do it and I think that's at the end of the day that's really all you would want for someone in that situation and that learning experience um, and then the second part of that you know a big part of the transitions that I've been in um, I've always kept a connection with people somehow, some way, because I think at the end of the day, you know, when you break or not necessarily a breakup, but when people transition and you change locations, there's something that's going to click and there's something that's going to spark, you know, even like this, this podcast, even though we speak, uh, you know, every few months or so, there was something about this topic. There's something about this information and this subject that related us back together. Um, and likewise with you, you know, I've called you recently to lean on you for some things. So I think establishing those relationships and people knowing other people's strengths, what to call about, um, knowing what they can do and how you can help each other, that really just solidifies a good relationship and, and why people should really stay connected and really the foundational principle of networking in general. You know, I think that that making or just encouraging people to do the program, you know, one of the things I think is forgotten and regardless if it's on a piece of paper, it was created by a human being before that. And that human being has pride, has ego. And a large part, a large part of their identity is tied into what that program is perceived out there from the world. And as much as you want to be impervious to like, you know, athletes going, man, this sucks. This is stupid. Like, it still like dings you a little bit, right? Cause you put yourself out there and, and we feel like we've put a lot of our like, you know, objective rationale into decisions and programming, but there's always that like one little nuance that like, 
I don't know. We'll see how this goes. And it could be a home run, but it could be a complete colossal failure. And I think that like little bit of an edge on that is what like, you know, keeps it interesting and keeps that process. And this isn't like doing stupid, silly, gimmicky things. This is like, yeah. I don't know how it's going to work logistically. It makes sense. I'm not accustomed to this. And then when you see your staff, like just do it and then potentially they get great results and they feel like that, that process of like, man, this is a really good program. Like that, you're creating a rapport with that person that you work under and it's not sucking up and it's not like just being overly friendly and overly complimentary. It's, it's saying like, all right, this is what we're doing as a staff and we need to have continuity and we need to have belief into what everything else is doing. And our leader who gave me a shot as a, an assistant strength coach believes this is what we should do. So therefore I'm going to have confidence in that plan uh, yeah. and that, and that feeling from that person coming to like, and it's no wonder why those guys get like, all right, you got that station today, or you're going to get these racks today. And like, because at least you know where it's going to be. And it knows what it looks like when you do it. And exactly, you know, and it's just playing, like it could be called playing the game or it could be called knowing what human beings really want and understanding, like I, I may walk around like the most confident guy in the world, but if I see people not doing my program who work directly under me, kind of makes me wonder like, well, what's wrong with my program? You know, why isn't that good enough? I was going to touch on that as well. You know, it not only tells you something about the person who will try it, may open their mind and, you know, give different things a try, but it tells you a lot about people who don't. And to be honest, in my experience, anybody who's ever kind of turned uh, turned their nose up to it or turned, it's never really worked out very well for them yeah. for more than that, for more than that reason. But it also, it does really tell you a lot about a person who won't, who's very close-minded, maybe stuck in their ways with their training, stuck in their ways from their previous experience, it's it's not going to work out in their favor. Yeah, and I can imagine like your last experience where, you know, everyone had a specialty, you know, so to speak. And I, and I think yours was really tied big into the movement prep and, you know, the things in that area and amongst, amongst other stuff, right? But like, you know, the more you're like entrenched into that and nothing else can conform in this new environment, I, you're right, like it could actually be a decrement to your advancement in that place and mm -hmm. you know that process of evaluating it of like all right here's a new approach to this you can find more creative ways to do the things that you're really good at if you're just more familiar with it right and you know, exactly. how many times how many times i come up with cochiano of like man like we've been doing this similar thing over and over again and then we're coming through another round of bench assault or another round of a hat modified hat cycle and like hey what if we did split squat before this on wednesday like yeah, maybe it actually work better. Like, and it's not saying we're changing the program. It's just looking at logistics wise. And then it gets a little bit more traction and then something else might get tweaked. And yeah. then by the time it's all said and done, your level of influence is coming from a place of not a threat of challenging his, or his authority, but from a place of mutually beneficial interest because you both collectively believe that this is a really good program. We can make it better though. Absolutely. Uh, which is so hard because it's like we all have just now cracked open the uh, the basically the world's perfect program and we know what, how to make someone infinitely amazing at like something and no one can tell perfect us form, so, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so um so i, I kind of want to get some sort of other line of thinking again in this in terms of like you know we talked about some consequences and implications of it like you know and like this process of like being malleable to your environment like you know, and I want to just kind of get back to the the other aspect of this of like, you know, the downsides of it. And is there any like, you know, the, we talked about the negative aspects of being 
almost too like uh, spineless or too like amorphous? Is there a downside to being too rigid and too like assertive and too overly confident? Have you seen that aspect? I have seen that um, because it's it's very much a similar perspective as um, what you mentioned before before in terms of being spineless is that it's interpreted as a threat by those people either in charge or uh, in the front office or anywhere. You know, if you walk around with confidence, if you walk around with your chest out a little too much, if you say the wrong, the, the wrong things at the wrong time, maybe say what's on your mind a little too much, it can certainly rub people the wrong way. Um, that's, that's why I do think you have to use some discretion, especially when dealing with certain types of people is because especially if you know them well, you're going to know how they think about certain people's actions. And uh, not to say you have to be fake, not to say you have to hold your tongue, but there definitely is a time and a place. And uh, I think there's a time to exert your words and exert your information in certain contexts. Um, But I have seen it go in a negative way where, oh, I guess he just knows it all. Or, you know what? You know, I think uh, I think you might as well write the program if if you know what's best, that sort of thing, where I think it's all in the approach, you know, like you were saying before, exercise order, make a small suggestion, say, you know, this is what I think might happen if we do X instead of Z and here, here we go. Oh, you know what? If you approach it that way, someone may be much more obligated to try something new, try something different than to say you hold your tongue you start getting some thoughts in your head in terms of all oh, this guy would never listen to me. This is the worst program ever. And then that's going to affect your coaching on the floor. The kids are going to notice everybody's going to notice. And then that's going to work out pretty bad. That's not going to work out good. Um, and that's also not an environment you'd want to be in. So I think it's all in the approach. Uh, I think it's all in the tone. And I think, uh, I think the biggest thing though, is there's a time and a place for everything. A lot of times it's behind a closed door unless it's in a staff meeting and you kind of address something um, out in the open. But I think discretion is huge when dealing with some of those issues, especially people with uh, bigger egos or, you know, that have a lot to say. I think there's a way to go about it, but it just has to be the right way to go about it. Timing is such an underrated skill uh, where I can't tell you, like, I feel awful when one of my staff members – gives me a suggestion after I get like an email I didn't want, or I got chewed out by a head coach or something like, and they want to make like a wholesale change or something. Like, I I don't care how good of an idea it is. Like I I can't like process that and that information. And I'm thinking everything else, but that, and that might've been something you've been building up for, for a long time. It's just the wrong time. And it could be a great suggestion, but it ain't received well. Um, You know, one of the things that was a, as you were discussing that concept, it kind of makes me think about like just throughout their history of like really polarizing, very charismatic people, like their time always comes to an end. And one thing you like, when you look at like evolution is the thought process of strength coaches we can gravitate to is like survival of the fittest is like the strongest she'll survive kind of thing. And which is true in periods of affluence or stability Mm-hmm. not true in transitions and the, the strongest is actually the first person to go like in that exactly. you know that that that's the whole point here is like understanding like you're playing the long game and like you get fired fast for being overly confident who really wins you know and then if you don't really make any headway because you're just too like 
just weak-willed and don't make any suggestions or don't have the courage to do anything, there's no point in you being there. So somewhere in a balance and like absolutely wave-like structure. And again, coming back down the water, can you be ice and be a violent snowball coming at somebody's head? Or can you be vapor and just basically just saturate that environment with influence over a period of time? Uh, and that, that's just a whole process. So uh, just let's just take this thing home here. Uh, you know, just let's revisit that first thing. Like, why is it really important now in having this conversation just to be formlessness and like be adaptable? What would you say is something in closing you want someone to walk away with this from? You know, I think you actually just touched on it. Um, I think it's about longevity. Um, and again, formlessness isn't about, to me, it's not about being a chameleon. It's not about being invincible. To me, it's about being yourself. And at the end of the day, each person you interact with, each athlete you coach, each front office person that you talk with, they're going to know exactly who you are, exactly what you're about, but they also know that you're going to be in the same common goal. You want the same things and you kind of stick to your guns. Um, so adapting to other people is a big, big issue. I think we talked about that um, in terms of not being too rigid, you know, maybe not rubbing people the wrong way. But that doesn't mean you are sucking up. It doesn't mean you're kind of losing who you are. It just means that you're going to stay the same way regardless. And at the end of the day, you really need to stick to that because the long game is the answer. And in this thing, longevity is key for your career. Wow. Uh, so one, I just want to say thanks. Uh, that was really awesome and incredible insight. Uh, I felt like you were going to be really, really good for this topic. And uh, I think we just proved that. So uh, thank you. And then honestly, too, just appreciate the transparency and, you know, you sharing your experiences. And I, uh, although albeit, like, I would say, like, knowing you personally, like, you're somewhat introverted. So talking about yourself is not the most natural thing in the world to do. Um, but I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate you doing that and how much, you know, how just amazing that was. And, you know, it's cool to share your story and go through some things that you've been successful with. Well, I appreciate it as well, Tim. Thank you for your time. And uh, I'd love to do it again. And uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. It's always good to share knowledge and, uh, and reach out to people. And it's good to connect again as well.